Respected elders and brothers, <coughs> that Imam Shafi rahmatullahi says that there is a moment in life that I'm overawed with happiness, joy, and excitement. And there are moments that I'm distressed, I'm grieved. The moments that I'm overawed with happiness and joy is the moments when the friends of Allah Ta'ala get together. It is only for the love of Allah Ta'ala that they have got together for his deen, for his sake, for his pleasure. There's no other agenda whatsoever. So this friends of Allah Ta'ala getting together one common purpose just for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, just for his deen and no other purpose brings about so much of happiness that I can't contain myself. It is a pleasure or it is a joy similar to the joy of Jannat. Unexplainable. It's beyond our capacity, beyond our reasoning, beyond our understanding. And there are moments that I feel extremely distressed and grieved. And that is that moment when the friends have to depart. Sometimes the reason that they've come for, that's over, so they have to depart. Like at the time of Hajj, they've come to execute and accomplish an obligation. And when it's ended, they have to leave. So coming for executing and accomplishing the obligation of Allah Ta'ala, no other reason brings about so much of joy. And departing brings so much of grief and distress. You would see it, people coming in, in wards and crowds. And as they are pouring into the haram, the happiness, the joy, and shouting, Labbaik, Allahumma Labbaik. And then the day that they have to leave, 
and then everybody is distressed turning around again looking at the Kaaba Sharif maybe I don't get a chance to see again sometimes at the Multazam crying can Allah Ta'ala let it not be the last visit to your Baytullah all the type of thoughts crowding your mind at the time mind, moment of distress so <clears throat> Allah Ta'ala has created two realms that are that can that you can relate to one is the realm of Jannat. Right? So Jannat is a place where there is absolutely no stress, no worry, no grief, no pain. You think of something and you've got it. You're sitting here and it's summer now and you're thinking about a winter fruit. For example, a strawberry or something, right? And there it's before you. Or it's middle, mid-winter and you think of a summer fruit, mango or something like that, and then it's straight before you. So you just have to think, you just have to call for it and it's there present. The fruit and the goodness of the of, the, of Jannat is la maktuati wa la magnua. is not restricted to season and not restricted and subject to the owner of the orchard. Here it's restricted to season or it's restricted to the owner of the orchard. He allows you and you enjoy. He doesn't allow, you can't enjoy. No restriction to time. The pleasure goes on and on and on. That even if a person had to live literally a trillion, trillion years in Jannat, it will be like the first day that he had entered. The excitement doesn't wear off. Here, you ate and you drank and the excitement is gone. The youngsters would like braai and coke, right? And after they had it once, second time, they said, no, third time, it's too much now. They can't ha- have it continuously. So the excitement, the novelty wears out here. There, there's no such a thing like the novelty wearing out. You, want, you had and you want more. You have and you want more. As you just enjoyed a full plate of biryani, in a moment everything is digested through your perspiration. Everything is digested and you are ready for the next plate, next serving. So you eat and you eat and you go on eating, no limit. So the excitement of Jannat is continuous. There is no such a thing like getting tired. There is no such a thing like getting bored. You don't want to change from Jannat. Just so like as though every bite, every morsel comes with a new experience, you know. One morsel, one experience, and the next morsel, the next experience. Experience over experience is not wearing out. Yeah, you ate, you enjoyed, whether it was food, whether it is fruit, whether it was woman, then at some point it's worn out. Now, now you, you can't continue. But there it's a different and totally different realm that the excitement doesn't wear out. In the Hadith it comes person went through the worst type of difficulties, the pains, struggles, etc. And just one glimpse into Jannat, everything is forgotten. It's not my habit to relate dreams in a bayan, but I don't think it's anything wrong in relating the dreams. Because in the masjids you can quote a science, and the science, the base of science is kuffar, atheists, gays, lesbians, right? They are talking about it. And we feel so proud about quoting them. He and he did this. But you go and look at the 
uh, you look at the origin, someone is a gay, someone is an atheist, someone is socialist. Nothing to do with Islam. No fear for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obviously, for them doing the work, then they need to be paid out. And for them to be paid out, they need to listen to their bosses. Bosses say, make the research look like this, they have to make it like that. Make it look like this, then they have to do it, they have to turn it around. One day they have to say, make the vaccine story very exciting, they make it. And then the same scientists will say, hey, just close it, today close it, and they closed. No vaccine, no social distancing, absolutely. So they are obviously influenced by their bosses. They got their bosses, the bosses wanted to be made like that, tailored in a certain way, they tailored it accordingly how the bosses want. So there is no truth in it. They say with a pinch of salt, you listen to them with some discount, sometimes 100% discount you give them, sometimes 70%, but obviously you have to give a discount. You can't take their words to heart. So if we can proudly talk about their experiments and their research as a masjid, so the eyes function like this, so many cameras and eyes, but it's all based on this kuffar's research. You can't trust them. When you can't trust them, if a Muslim, a pious, righteous person is seeing a dream, what's wrong in quoting it? That we talk about it with so much of pride and so much of confidence, etc. Whereas he's a kafir, he's got nothing to do with Islam. He's definitely a Satanist. He's like that. He's following the cue, he's getting the cue from Shaitan. But you probably talk about that. But this person is a mu'min, he's righteous, he's got the fear of Allah Ta'ala. Oh, no, we will not talk about him. Why? It's a dream. If a person is righteous, what's wrong? He's good, he's truthful, he's honest, and he's talking about it. What's wrong in sharing? So, but because this dream is in complete conformity with the hadith, therefore I take the trouble to discuss it. So the person says that he was wanting to see his father, who was deceased, now in this court, and that passed away, good man, Sully, etc. Very hospitable, my personal friend. So he says they want to, they want to see his father. <clears throat> Chapter on making dua after dua, dua after dua, him some sadaqah, etc. Eventually Allah made him see his father. He is his father, his father is looking into his gender, and the way he is glued into gender, he doesn't want to see his child. You know, it's so alarming, so consuming, so overwhelming, that he's looking and he's looking and he's just continuously looking. He doesn't want to turn to the right not to the left, not to anything whatsoever in that. So anyway, they got talking to the father, said, Abba, give me some advice, just two advice I give you. So the first, first piece of advice was, he did this, see, the dunya is too insignificant to run and fight after it. It is true, now that he saw the other side of the picture, now he's talking. What he says, that the dunya is too insignificant to run or to fight over it. Now he saw it. Although here he was a factory owner, wealthy, everything else. But when he saw the other side, he says it's totally insignificant to run or to fight after it. So that was the first piece of advice. And now this is in conformity with the hadith, لُكَانَةِ الدُّنْيَا إِنْدَ اللَّهِ تَعْدِلُ جَنَاحَ بَعُودَةٍ In the hadith. That if the dunya was equivalent to the wing of a mosquito, right? So the hadith is straight. Is absolute conformity with the hadith. It's impressing upon us what is the reality of the dunya. No matter what it is and how big it is 
and how exciting it is. But the first glimpse of death, it makes you understand that this thing nothing but dirt. You know, when a person is confronted with death, is a mu'min, generally Allah shows him his abode, right? When he so sees his abode, then this dunya looks, it appears to him like the womb of the mother compared to the dunya. I ask anybody that he's come out into Mother Earth, right? Does he want to go back to Mother's womb? When he saw Mother Earth, now does he want to return here? Hey, I don't want to go into that full now, that blood, that constraints, all that. So, the next realm, that is before you entering Jannah, is so spacious and vast, it is like the Earth compared to the Mother's womb. It's so spacious, it's so vast, that you don't want to just return. Sahanpur is a madrasa, Mazahirul Ulum. So it was founded by Mawlana Mazar Sahab, Rahmatullahi. So it was his way that when he's talking or he's discussing some masla or something, then he will lick his lower lip. That was a constant feature in him. So someone asked him, we see you when you're talking or you're discussing something and you're licking your lower lip. What is this all about? He said, go, go, go. go. He tried to push him away. Other you have to tell me what it is. Some people, they can be stubborn. You know, you don't tell them. So he says, we were in the war against the English, the mutiny, Ghadar, they call it, 1857 somewhere. So we engaged in battle. And there were some people that were shaheed. And I was shot, but I wasn't, I wasn't yet martyred. I wasn't killed. So in that state of unconsciousness, I saw the who's of Jannat coming in. The beauty, the dress, everything was too smart. I was thinking, when is my turn to, just to go to that realm? When one of those who came around, and they came right near me, imagine the adrenaline at that time. Can you imagine at that time? You had thousand women of this world, choice, right? Nowhere, it's like dirt compared to the woman of Jannah. Really, Wallah. We're running after these things, their phones and all that, whatever we are looking, the nonsense we're looking. But one glimpse into Jannah, this looks as like complete dirt, surish. Surish is not the word, something worse than that. The Jannah, that wood is so pure, so clean. Why die after these things here? So as she was passing, she came across thinking that I am also amongst the martyred. And she served me with the sherbet. And I just put the sherbet near my lip, and another who came out, say, hey, this, is, this person is not martyred, you made a mistake, just move away. So she pulled away. But he says the taste is here, it's not yet worn out. 30 years have passed, I still get the taste. You see, Jannah, just one glimpse of what, what it does to a person. Allah we understand the reality of Jannah, that you lived a trillion, trillion years, and it's like the first day in Jannah. You live so long, but it's still like the very first day that you entered. So the joy is continuous, uh, the happiness is continuous, the leisure is continuous, the sensual pleasure is continuous, everything is continuous. The scenery is as such, just one river of Jannah is such. That you can't just stop admiring, looking, and you're looking, and you just continue looking. Why won't it be led? that? The Jannah has got that effect. The Quran Sharif has got that effect. 
My one friend from London was around. So he says sometimes he calls non-Muslims to his home and he has one half years or something to, to invite them towards Islam. At his home, not the masjid. Masjid obviously, masjid, the sanctuary, etc. is different. And everybody can't maintain the sanctuary of the masjid. So he prefers to do it at home. So he calls for uh, the woman in parda and the men on the other side. And he'll have one half his reciting the Quran Sharif in a nice melodious voice. And another alim explaining what he had read. English, they know nothing about Arabic, absolutely nothing. But a friend of mine says that when the recitation of the Quran Sharif, he asked them to recite from Surah Maryam, you know, Maryam alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, all that. But the recitation just starts, not even two minutes, and they can't, they can't control themselves. They just uncontrollably crying. What do you cry for? No, I don't know. It's a magnificent effect of the Quran Sharif. Why must it? It's the word of Allah Ta'ala, directly the word of Allah Ta'ala. Everything else that we see in this world is made up. This is absolute, coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not made up. From Allah Ta'ala to us. We are just the conduit that this word is just flowing through our tongue. It has such a magnificent effect. So the word of Allah Ta'ala has got the effect. The jannat of Allah Ta'ala has got the effect. But we need to create the thirst, the taste and the thirst for it. What we need to do is to create the thirst and the taste for it. One room sahab, rahmatullahi, is a master of illustrations. See, sometimes things are abstract, right? And when they're abstract, so you have to explain it in a way that a person can relate. Otherwise, abstract things, it's difficult for us to relate. So, one room rahmatullahi says, person fell unconscious. And people are trying to resuscitate him, revive him. Everybody is trying one thing, the other. In the old days, there are times some very strong attar, you know. They're trying to put in his nose, nothing doing. So one person is looking into the crowd, what happened here? You know, you see a crowd, everybody becomes curious, what's happening? So one person saw, hey, there's something going on here, let me see what's going on. So when he went and he saw the person, is my family, I know how to sort this out. So he went to the toilet, took a stick, and some of the suris and all, he just fixed it up there. He came in, tore the crowd again, came and just put it into the nose, straight away the person came up. Hey, what is this magic that you've done? He says, the, the fragrance that you people have placed before his nose, he's not familiar. He's not familiar, so he's not taking Yes, this is the work he was doing. He's a toilet cleaner. So this thing he is familiar with, he understands. So when I put it near his nose, he took it straight away. So now, Jannat and the purity of Jannat, we need to cleanse the heart and the mind to be able to enjoy the, 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 the sweetness of Jannat. When our hearts are all mixed up and messed up, and we want to understand the fragrance of Jannat and the beauty of Jannat, it's like the same person. You're putting that musk before him, you're putting zafran and amber before him, and you want him to relate. He doesn't relate. He relates to these things here. He relates to filth. So we have become attached to this thing here, and our minds became familiar, so we relate to only this thing. Our eyes can only understand this, perceive this, our minds work with this, our brains work, uh, our bodies begin to work just when we hear about the dunya. And otherwise, the hereafter, it doesn't work. You see, well, it will come one of those things, 
it may be, not may be. So our minds work differently, we don't relate. The need of the time is to relate to these things here, understand it is a promise of Allah Ta'ala, it is genuine, it is definite, confirmed, there is no two ways about it. So insignificant that not even the wing of a mosquito is so insignificant. So it is a need now that we take out some time, five minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes at night when everything is switched off, the phones, no guests, etc. We think about those moments. What is Jannat like? And if we don't think, we won't relate. This morning I had to discuss this whole thing to one person. So I'm involved in these problems, you know, this addiction, phone, whatever else, all stupid things. I mean, I'm, in, I, I, I'm addicted to this, nearly 40. And I get into it, make toba, I relapse. I get into it, then I relapse again. And I don't know what to do, I'm feeling so miserable. I come here by you, I feel so nice, I feel so pleasant, pleasant. But a few days later, and there's a relapse, I fall into this thing again. I feel so miserable, I feel so depressed. Sometimes I feel I mustn't come to you, because this thing is just relapsing, it's continuous all the time. So I said, no, that's the wrong thing. To think like that is wrong. What I explained to him, I will ask you to do one thing. What you need to do is give yourself one hour of isolation, absolute isolation, no phone, no family, no, no friend, nobody, absolute, I mean, absolute darkness. Keep yourself in that state. Right. Now, when you're in that state of total darkness, then read two rakat namaz, fresh wudu, read two rakat namaz, cry to Allah Ta'ala in the state of sajda, Allah do forgive me. And after that, think that, you know, this life meets up with another life. And the first manzil, the first phase thereafter is the grave. The first stop is the grave. Now think about the physical form of the grave, right? Just the physical formation. You locked up and blocked up from all sides, from above, from below, from the sides, from in front, from behind. You locked up complete, right? The thing that brings about joy to life is access. Right? You got access to everything, you got access to the world that brings about joy. But no access to anything. This is bring it. You got the mouth, but your mouth cannot just swallow things. No access. You got the eyes, but it cannot see. You got the ears, but it cannot hear. Right? You got the you got the nose, but it can't breathe. It can't smell. Can you see? So now that is that moment where you are blocked up from all sides. You can't reach to anybody, and nobody can reach you. You are gone to a different realm. Nobody can reach to you, and you cannot reach anybody. You cannot ask for anything, you cannot call for anything. Now, when you're in that moment, you're blocked up from all sides, right? Then think again, you know, about the wrongs that you're involved in. One wrong is coming like a python, it's hurling itself around you, it's coiling itself around you, and it's biting you. Then there is the fire that is shooting from above, shooting you from below. Laum min fokim zulalum min nar. I mean, tahtihim zulal. From above, the fire is shooting you. From below, it's shooting you. Then you've got malaika, farishtas, that are set over you, that are blind and deaf. 
So they can't, they don't, they can't sympathize with you because they're blind and they, and they're totally deaf and they're smashing you down. And you can't escape. Imagine you're blocked there all round. Uh, fire is getting you. The malaika coming and smashing you down. Right? You blocked. You can't escape. You can't. Nothing can happen. So what is the thing that will give you that goodness, that exit, the escape route? What is the escape route? Try and think. So after you have thought about the whole scenario of the grave, then beg Allah to forgive us, Allah. I can I can't help myself. I know this is a put I have to go in. There's no second way about it. I have to get there, get here. Allah, you look after me. Look after me there, look after me here. If I'm going to be good here, I can be good there. If I want to mess things up here, I can't expect that thing to be made up. I have to be good here for expecting that place to be good for me. To expect and hope, you know. Allah wants you to hope. You know, they say, what I say, says, Avoid much suspicion. For some some suspicions are sinful. What? Avoid much suspicions. Because some suspicions are sinful. So then the Quran says is inviting you to find out what is that suspicion that is sinful. So that you may avoid the sin. And also it's telling you that some types of, of doubts and thoughts are permissible. Some doubts and thoughts are permissible, and some doubts and suspicions are haram and forbidden. So now, you need to be able to distinguish what is permissible, what is impermissible. So some suspicions are haram, in fact, they border with disbelief. Some suspicions and doubts are haram, in fact, they border with disbelief. That is now, you think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah doesn't like you. Allah doesn't want you to prosper. Uh, you're just coming up and He smashes you down again. Your children are dying. Uh, this tragedy and calamity is around you. So you think evil about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is haram. Not only haram, but you can lose your faith. <clears throat> so to have that type of a thought of Allah ta'ala, that Allah doesn't want me to come up, and wherever I'm going, I'm prospering and I'm coming down again. Some calamity or the other is coming down. My children can't get married. I know why Allah is doing this to me. Uh, a husband, this morning I got, the, I, I got that email I had to write. Someone in America. So, uh, the husband is not meeting the wife. So in that state of frustration, some terrible words came out against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See, why are you doing this to me? Na'uzubillah. We don't have that license and that right to ask Allah ta'ala. Why are you doing this to me? That is, this is his world. It is his world, his affairs. He will run it as he wants. You can't dictate to Allah how he needs to run his factory. The, the factory of Allah, he will run it how he wants. Because we cannot identify and relate to certain things, then we have this type of wrong opinions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's wrong. So some thoughts are totally haram, forbidden. You may lose your faith. So a simple thing is Allah Ta'ala, it's your decree, it's your decision. I'm happy with your decree and your decision. The wisdom behind it, you know. I don't know the wisdom. And you don't have to discuss this with me to execute your plan. It's your plan, you execute the plan. And your plan, you don't have to go and discuss it with me before you execute the plan. Allah Ta'ala didn't discuss with you before he brought you to planet Earth. He discussed with you. 
So he will not discuss with you when he takes you as well. He is not subject to anybody's discussion. Now the way we think, you know, sometimes with our technology and our influence, affluence, etc., we begin to feel that Allah must discuss things with us before he executes his plan. Boy, that's trash. Totally, totally trash. Madness, stupidity. He doesn't discuss. He doesn't need to discuss. It's his dunya, it is his world, his factory, he will decide as he wants. So, the, the best thing to do is, Allah Ta'ala, I'm happy with your plan, I'm happy with your decision, I've got no qualms, no reservation. When you declare your pleasure for Allah Ta'ala, both verbally and mentally, then Allah Ta'ala will say, I'm happy with you, my banda. Then when he says that I'm happy, then you'll find a fulfillment, a satisfaction and happiness. Then if there's a loss or there's a tragedy, in the tragedy you feel happy. Although there'll be tears rolling out. Eh? Like it is that uh, Dili ka Halim, you know. I don't know, someone went to Dili and chased the Halim. There is full it up with spice and marcha. Full it up. Now you're eating the thing, you're sweating away, the eyes are tearing, right? But you're asking that waiter, a little bit more marcha, man. So you look miserable, but you're enjoying the thing. You look so miserable. Right? So that's what happens in a tragedy to you. That you look miserable, right? But you're happy with Allah's decision. From within your heart, Wala نَقُولُ إِلَّا مَا يَرْضَى بِهِ رَبُّنَا We are crying and tearing for the, for the loss. But from within the heart, we are happy with Allah. Allah is nothing better than your decision. Some three years ago, one person lost his two children in one crash. So he was driving under a bridge, someone threw a rock, two children went away. Just married, enjoying, too happy, wealth, everything, they got everything. And someone just threw a rock, both went away. So he's crying, depressed, etc., etc., etc. So I told him, see, thank Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala ne aapke bachche ko izzat se le liya. Allah Ta'ala took your children away with izzat, the shaheed. Imagine the same children, right? They went into drugs, womanizing, doing all type of filth, abusing, insulting their parents. They become an embarrassment for you. So they lived with respect and they went with respect. I ask you, is there a greater honor than that? It looks terrible, it looks problematic, it looks difficult. But really, if you go and analyze that thing properly, it's a blessing of Allah Ta'ala, but just that you cannot see it. You know, the madrasa now, over 30 years, 35 years, some all right. So all this, lot of shows and, you know, lot of bicycle happens in the madrasa. Our mufsa was there, rahmatullahi, one person came in, make dua that I get a son. I got daughters, but I want a son. So mufsa rahmatullahi, nicely, conveniently, just changed the topic. He came again, other big dua. Repeatedly, third, fourth, fourth time. So Mufthab raised his hand, made dua for him. Now, Mufthab came again. When he came again, now this person comes to Mufthab, the child is about 18, 20 years of age. Mufthab, I am so embarrassed with this child, I am getting constrained. Make dua now, Allah takes this child away. I go into the masjid, why is he taking drugs to him? So every corner and people are saying, hey, what this child is up to? Now he was crying for a child, and now when he's got the child, this is... 
So, this is a plan of Allah Ta'ala. And you don't understand it, I don't understand it. And Allah Bak doesn't need to discuss it with us to execute His plan. That is His world. Your small little house, you don't want your garden boy to tell you, uh, this is how you need to run, run the house. Why are you doing this and why are you not doing this? Say, boy, you want the job? Just do it, or just get out. You feel that you have got such authority, whereas you need Him to do your home. Allah doesn't need you. Antumul fuqara'u ilallah. Wallahu huwal ghaniyul hamid. You are desperately in need of Allah, every person. You know, some nerves are such within your, within your head, your spine, etc. They're thinner than a hair. But if that thing just has to be suppressed, you become a total cabbage. You see the control Allah has got over you. Can you ever make any demand to Allah? Just make sugar by continuous making sugar. Allah has given your life another opportunity to earn gender. Another opportunity to progress. So I asked the person, think like this. Hassan Basri, rahmatullahi, he says, that how fair is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How fair is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? As uh, the child grows up, right? So there's no recording. If he does any good deed, it is to the credit of the one that instructed him, his parent, his ustad, whoever instructed him, then the credit is passed to the person that instructed him and taught him. By what you're doing here to your child, don't think that nobody's recording. It's recording. You taught him Alif, you taught him Ba, you taught him the name of Allah Ta'ala. Everything is being recorded. But just that you only read with gold and silver. Everything else is, is insignificant to us. So, Alif, that Ba, that Quran Sharif, we don't relate, we don't understand. One person is passing his, <coughs> is passing his friend's grave, you know. He read some Quran Sharif, whatever, made Dua and he went away. So the friend that's deceased appears on his, in his dream and he says, you know what? You came onto my grave, and this is what you read. I'm very delighted. Right? And then, after that, you read something else. So, I want to do a deal with you. So, what's the deal? He says, here, I'm in this grave here for the last 20, 10 years, right? In the last 10 years, I recited 70,000 Quran Sharif Khatam. Because now, Jannat, what are you going to do? There's going to be some activities. I was reading Quran Sharif. So the 70,000 Quran Sharif that I read, I want you to pass, I'll pass that credit to you. And the little Subhanallah Duru Sharif that you read, you pass the credit to me. Hey, he says, you know, I'm a businessman also. I need to know what's the, what's the trick here. Later on he discovered that what you're going to be reciting there in the grave, there's no reward for that. What you're doing here, there's a reward for that. So he wants to do a bargain, then he gets something. This is what you're doing whilst you're alive appreciate those moments, you will not get those moments again. It's gone, it's gone, never to be returned. Every second, every moment is gold, is, 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 is more precious than gold. <coughs> so, we're talking of the different abodes, right? One is that this abode right, of happiness. Then there is a realm of distress only, distress upon distress, pain upon pain. I was explaining about Hassan Basri, 
So that's the realm of distress that is Jannah. Here it's only happiness and joy, absolutely no distress, no discomfort. You want it and you got it. You know, here you have to wait in the line, right? You don't get served straight away. You have to wait in the line, then your number comes, then you get served, right? There you wish for it and you got it. So that's Jannah. And here you're crying, and you're crying for a hundred years, thousand years you're crying. And then you're shouting out to the keeper of Jahannam, Ya Nado, Ya Maliku, Liyakdi Alayna Rabbuk, Qala Innakum Makisun. They're crying after years of pain, burning, you know, extreme pain, exhaustion, frustration, they're crying, crying to Malik, the keeper of Jahannam. They just make dua to Allah Ta'ala that this must end up, you don't want any joy. But you know, this is, we can't tolerate it anymore, any longer. So the keeper of Jannam says, Innakum makisun. You are to remain. There's no end to this. There's no end to this. You can just, Kullama nadijat juludum, baddalnahum juludan ghayraha, liyazuku azab. There is no end to your torture, to your pain, to your misery. There's no end. As your skin is just burning off, burnt off, then it's replaced with a fresh skin. Liyazukul azab, that the pain must continue all the time. Like Jannah's pleasure is continuous, you know, new all the time. And Jahannam's misery also is continuous. But just that either we don't relate to Jannah and Jahannam, or we don't discuss it, we don't talk about it. All we talk and discuss, how much money, how much material. How much money, how much material. That's what we can relate with. That next realm, nobody talks about or we talk about it, it's very light, we're taking it very light. But that's the place that we're supposed to be talking about, relating to, you know, you, you're relating to that. So, Hazrat Basri Rahman says now, you, you're over that age. Past the age 10, 11, came to puberty, 13, 14, now something's happened then. Then your book of deeds open up. Right? Then there's malaika that are commanded to record Apart from your actions and apart from your deeds, every word is being recorded. One word that was recorded. Nothing goes unrecorded. And the words also can be so serious. Tirmidhi Sharif, this hadith, says that sometimes, I think it's Haris ibn Muawiyah, that's the name. So he says, he reports from the Vishnasam, that at times a person says something, but it's too, so dear and so loving to Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala elevates him to the heights of Jannah. You see, you are in that frame of mind, you are thinking Allah Ta'ala, you are understanding Allah Ta'ala, you are working towards Him. So when you are working, that Allah grants you that opportunity, that you speak something about him, speak about his greatness, speak about his love, speak about his muhabbat. And sometimes while you are speaking about it, and some statement comes out, and he elevates you to such a level, and there is no cancellation to that level. He elevates you, and there is no cancellation, just, just rocketing all the time. But the contrary is also true. Sometimes you speak such bad things, right? wrong things, that you are dropping down and you're dropping down, then there's no way for you to come up again. So the importance of taking care of the tongue. You know, I was looking at the punishment of the, of the tongue. One is the hereafter. Then the punishment 
that is decreed for the misuse of the tongue in this world. In this world, one is the next realm, one is this world. Even in this world, misuse of the tongue in an Islamic state, you're going to be punished. If you made a false accusation against a chaste person, right? woman of chastity, then you are liable for trouble. Two problems you'll get. One is you must get flogged with a hundred stripes, eighty stripes, and wala taqbalu minhum shahadatan abada. The second punishment is in the court of justice, his evidence will be ever refuted. You're coming into court, but your evidence is totally rejected. Why you went and accused, made a false accusation of a changed woman. On good woman, you made a false accusation. Your toba will be accepted. The toba will be accepted, but in the court of law, in the court of justice, you're going to be humiliated, your word is going to be rejected, never accepted, until you die. See how important the care of the tongue, how important it is. So there's two things for which you're going to be punished in this world as well. One is the misuse of the tongue, and number two is for drinking. For drinking also, you're going to be lashed, 80 lashes. For any other sin, all right, misuse of the private areas, sensual pleasure, also is a punish, punishment. But can you imagine how difficult it is? Today the Jordan Jamaat was there. So I explained to them how important it is to, to, to see that the tongue is right. Rasulullah is giving anhu the beloved, beloved. So the people that are lovable and what advice the Bism is giving them. Iyaka, look after your tongue. Alika bilisani. So Mu'az in surprise asking, Ya Rasulullah, we're going to be punished for the tongue, misuse. Hal yukabbun nas ala wujuhim illa hasaidu al sinatihim. That people will be thrown headlong into Jahannam just because of the misuse of the tongue. Now we take it so lightly, you know, we, we were sarcastic, we defamed the person, we ran him down, we humiliated him, right? We passed cutting and biting remarks. We didn't think much about it. Everything is got a consequence. That's what the Adi says. That you're going to be defaming someone, disgracing someone, running him down. You're taunting him, right? For a wrong that he has asked Allah's forgiveness. He's over with the wrong. But you're taunting him for that. You're reminding him of that, right? You think that you're very pious. So you're reminding him of the wrong that he's made Toba for. So Allah takes a promise. I will see to it that you get involved in that sin before you die. I ask you, is it worth it? See the misuse of the tongue. How much you have you to think before opening the mouth? We just think now, left, right and center, I can just talk about this, things about my choice, I can do it. But you see how Allah takes it, misuse. That before you die, and you will get engaged. I, sometimes I tell the students, you know, now in a madrasa environment, I think it's my 51st year, right? So I saw this panning out, you know. One person was running the next person down for some wrong that he was doing. Well, some wrong, whatever wrong he was doing, right? But now he complains to me, that person that was that taunted. He says, now 30 years have passed. I can't leave that sin. I was pure, totally pure of that sin. Absolutely, I, could, I had no inclination. You know, now they talk, they talk of uh, natural tendencies, etc. I had no tendency. But I taunted the person. After I taunted him, now it's 30 years that have passed, I can't get myself clear of this completely. So how, how seriously Allah takes the misuse of the tongue.
Now, your book of deeds have opened outside. Then the malaika recording. Then as you die, those books are closed, they strap round your round your neck. Kulla insanin alzamnahu ta'irahu fi unuqi. That thing is strapped around your neck. You can't see it, but it's there. Like the computer chip, you can't see it, right? What's the inside, you know. So it's all recorded. On the day of Qiyamah, we'll open the book. Now, you can have a look at your own book. You don't need anybody's assistance. You take an account of your own deeds. You don't need an accountant. Nobody to come and help you. You are sufficient. So how true is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How true is the word of his Nabi sallallahu The guarding of the tongue. Most of the disputes, the problems is the misuse of the tongue. We don't think and we don't understand, we don't reason or we abuse, insult, misuse of the tongue. Sometimes I think, you know, one one masjid, if the whole masjid can cooperate, look after the tongue properly, look after the eyes properly, right? right? And see that we don't hurt anybody. We intend not to hurt. Don't say, no, it was unintentional. Say, we intend not to hurt. We park in the car in such a way that it hurts nobody. Right? We use our tongues in such a way that no insult, no injury, in his presence, in his absence, but no insult. No. And the whole masjid is vibrant in, like the, in this way, that we're trying to do something for the next person. I saw him, so cheer him up a little bit, make salam, how are you, can I do some khidmat for you? Uh, how vibrant and how sound that people of the masjid sound. Hey, you know, to read your namaz, go to these people, they are helpful, they got a cheer, they, don't, they won't run you down, they won't defame you. They won't disgrace you, they won't humiliate you, they will look for you, they will, they will work for you, they will look for you. You got a problem, they'll try and sort you out. Uh, what a good attraction. You see, individuals make up a community. If that individual is right, the community is right. And there is a rotten egg in that, in the, in that individual, what happened? That thing spreads around the whole community, the smell, the stench goes on. So that individual is good, there's fragrance, there's beauty, there's good that is emanating. People want to be around him. He's attracted, he's attractive, everybody's attracted. But if it is dirt and filth that is coming out from the person, his mannerisms, his ways, his values, etc. And I ask you, are you attracting people or are you distracting people? So our ways are right, our tongue is right, our intention is right. We're not hurting, not humiliating not prodding someone, not instigating someone. Instagram and instigate. What? That thing is instigating you or instigating someone else. So, in the masjid also, we're keeping that silence, that calmness. That the people around me, they feel so nice. That you sit around him, he's making zikr, he's got ithar placed upon him, he's clean, no bad habits, no foul language, he's focused on his work. So, it creates an atmosphere in the masjid. People feel so nice to be in that masjid. Right? What a beautiful atmosphere. You walk in, someone is making dua, someone is crying, someone is making zikr, someone is in Quran Sharif. But what a, what a good atmosphere. And I ask you, isn't that an attraction? Won't you get the sawab to create that atmosphere in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Oh, my time is over now. I just need to talk. Oh, my next time someday. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Salatu wassalamu ala rasulil kareem wa alihi wa sahabihi jama'in.
ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا انك انت التواب الرحيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين